0: Let's spend some time in prayer together. O oh God of power and strength, today we offer praise for things larger and mightier than ourselves, for towering cloud columns, for lightning flash, for the thunder crack, for the rugged rise of mountain, the seething swell of oceans and storm, for rushing wind, for love greater than we can comprehend. For these things we give thanks, for they remind us that we are small beside you, our Maker and that we are the children of a mighty God and Father. We give you thanks for all things magnificent, mighty, massive, monumental, for great creatures and colossal planets, and all things that set us in awe that is vaster than ourselves. These things render us good service, O Lord. For the wonder they inspire is a window directing our eyes and our thoughts to you, who are vaster and more infinite and more awesome, who are fiercer in your love and mightier in your strength and more holy in your righteousness than all created things. Lord, as we open your word this morning, I pray that you would inspire us by it, that we would fall more in love with you, and that we would obey what your word says through the power of your spirit. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's been a really uh, cool weekend for my family and I. We are celebrating my My Shouldn't say my father in law, my brother in law's birth of his baby coming. Um, and so we had this big baby shower, the family reunion. And uh, I have a picture up here of uh, some of these extended family members. And this is Christie's um, family's extended church family. They all uh, met each other in 1979. And there's three elders of Christie's church that she grew up in. And uh, they stuck together in community all the way through now. And such an amazing power of community. All these people were in small group together in 1979. And here we are in 2020 still celebrating life together. It's an amazing picture of biblical community. And we talk about the importance of small group and biblical community. They want a great picture of that right here. And this is before there was any books on small group life or anything like that. They just dig community together. It's such an amazing picture of community. And then I'm going to just show you this picture that my wife took uh, last night of, of our beautiful church building. Isn't that awesome? Uh, just sh- showing God's amazing uh, creation. And today we're going to be looking at something that happened in creation, the flood. And uh, as we continued on looking through Genesis, it's really important that we look and see what God is teaching us through his very word. There's a couple of amazing things, amazing things that have been built in our world. Uh, one is the Taj Mahal. I had the privilege of seeing this in person. How many of you think it took more than 15 years to build it? How many of you think it took less than 15 years to build it? It took 20 years to build the Taj Mahal. All right, how about this? How about One World Trade Center? This is an amazing uh, building that obviously is, is built in, in honor of all the people that lost their lives, and you go up to that observatory on the top there, and it's just amazing just to see for hundreds of miles away. How many of you think it took more than 15 years to build that? Less than 15 years, what do you think? Yeah, it took, 10, uh, it took 11 years to build that. And then the Panama Canal, I just think of what an amazing feat that was that changed travel forever. How many of you think it took more than 20 years to build that? How about less than 20? It actually, once the U.S. took over, it only took 10 years. So that's what I'm counting, all right? So uh, that was pretty pretty awesome. And then we have this feat, Noah's Ark. How many of you think it took more than uh, 10 years to build the Ark? Okay, good. It took almost 100 years, about 100 years to build the Ark. and. It's really interesting, in our modern world, we keep saying that mankind is getting better and things are getting more efficient and technology is moving us further. But just like we saw last week, 15 years after creation, mankind had not gotten better. In fact, it had gotten worse and worse and worse to the point where God regretted creating everything that he created. He actually determined in his heart to destroy it. And we all know that the end of the story is that there was some that did obey, because we wouldn't be here. And uh, Noah and his family obeyed. And that's the point for this morning, is that Noah did all the Lord commanded him. Now, some of you, especially maybe some of you that are a little bit more moralistic, you're going to take this message and say, okay, how can I be more like Noah? Because Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. That's not what I want you to leave this message with. Because Noah did, when he's talking about the ark, he did obey what the Lord commanded him. But he also was a sinful person, as we see in Genesis 9, 21, he got drunk and naked as soon as he got off the ark. Okay? This guy was not perfect. He was in need of salvation, just like each and every one of us are. It's inspirational that he followed after the Lord, and it's something that we can look toward to to follow after the Lord, but... We don't want to be like Noah in every way. We want to be like Jesus. And that's why we've been going through the book of Genesis because the book of Genesis shares the story of our origins. That's actually what the word Genesis means it means origin of our story, origin of our life. And as we become disciples that make disciples, people that fall more in love with Jesus and more in love with one another and more in love with the lost. We need to become more and more like Jesus, and the only way that's going to happen is through the power of the Spirit working in our life. The only way that Noah was able to obey is because God allowed him to obey and to be able to fall after what he commanded him. Noah, God selected Noah to build this ark, and What an amazing feat it must have been to start building this ark. And God had spoken to Noah and said that he was going to bring down judgment on the whole earth. And here's Noah and his family building this ark for a hundred years and you can imagine all the scoffers that came along the way all the people that said you're crazy what are you doing why are you building this ship and God was silent during all of that time at least what we see from God's word God didn't continually speak to Noah and yet he remained faithful to build this ark for salvation of all mankind and you just imagine all the warnings that Noah tried to give people I mean, if you knew the end of the world was coming and God had told you that and God told you specific things, imagine all the things you'd be doing to try to help people um, find salvation in the one and only true God. But nobody listens. Nobody listens. So last week we talked about the person of Noah and the adventure of being obedient. And if you're new here this week or you weren't here uh, last week, I encourage you to go to goodnewsloves.com. You can go and listen to that message there. It lays the foundation of these upcoming messages. And then today we're talking more about obedience and what it means to really obey God in our lives, especially in a world that doesn't encourage obedience. And then next week we're going to talk about more of the faithfulness of God through the flood and then on uh, on the 22nd, we'll talk about the covenant and what the covenant means with it. So I hope you can join us uh, for all of that as we talk through this and continue to work through uh, Genesis together. So we pick up the story here in Genesis uh, chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, you can look up on the screen. We're going to read the whole chapter of Genesis so we can get uh, where the story is taking us, where God is leading us through this. Genesis chapter 7. Then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven of every kind of clean animal, male and its mate, and two of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I'll send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And I'll wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. And Noah and his sons and and his wife and his son's wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals and birds of all the creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark as God commanded Noah. And after seven days, the floodwaters came on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth, and all the floodgates of the heavens were opened, and rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On that very day, Noah and his sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth, if you're looking for children's names, if you're pregnant, beautiful names right there, Together with his wife and the wives of his three sons entered the ark. They had with them every wild animal according to its kind, all livestock according to their kinds, every creature that moves along the ground according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, everything with wings. Pairs of all creatures that have breath of life, they came to Noah and entered the ark. The animals going in were male and female of every living thing, as God commanded Noah. Then the Lord shut him in. For 40 days, the flood kept coming on the earth, and the waters increased as it lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 20 feet. Every living thing that moved on the earth perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth and all mankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Everything on the face of the earth was wiped out. Men and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. The The waters flooded the earth for 150 days. Wow. It's a lot right there. A lot of things happening there. And I don't want to break this down verse by verse so we can see a little bit more about what Scripture says and how we can apply it to our lives and how we can see how vital it was that Lord, the Lord commanded Noah to do things and that the Lord allowed Noah to obey all of those things. One of the first things that sticks out to me is in, is in verse 2. It says, seven of every clean animal. It's just really interesting. every children's story, what do we see? We see two by two, right? Two by two. But it says that there were seven of every clean animal. And this was really vital and an important part of God's plan, that it actually allowed the the gene pool to be a little bit more, have a little bit more variety. And there's seven, so what happened... To the extra of male and female, male and female, male and female, and then there's one left over. Well, scripture says that that animal is used for sacrifice. And so God had a plan of redemption all along, and you see clean and unclean animals. If you want a little bit more information on that, you can go to Leviticus 11, and it lists what the clean animals are, what the unclean animals are. And so God commanded Noah to bring those pears on the ark. And it's really interesting that it didn't require Noah to have millions of different animals on the ark. Many skeptics say there's no way all the animals could have fit on the ark because how could he have gotten all the different species? He didn't have to have all the different species. He just had to, had to have one a pair of each kind. For instance, he could have just had one pair of dog He didn't need a pair of wolves and coyotes and mutts and foxes and all those things. He just had to have one of each kind, not one of each species. And there was plenty of room on the ark like we talked about last week. I went into far more detail about it last week, and you can check out that message online. But there was plenty of room for all the animals to fit on the ark just like the Lord commanded. Verse 4 is really interesting to me, and it's a picture of God's love for for people even in the midst of them running away from him in desperate ways. Everyone was evil on the earth except for Noah and his family. Everyone was unrighteous. No one was concerning the things of God for years and years and decades and centuries, but yet it says here in verse 4, "7 days from now I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights." Even in the midst Of all the people disobeying God for so long, he still gave an extra seven days for people to come on the ark, ark, for Noah to speak to people out of desperation and tell them that they need salvation. And yet, as scripture says, no, no one was saved at all. For 40 days and for 40 nights it rained. Prior to this time it had not rained on the earth, at least nothing in large portions at all. And You can just imagine the people mocking Noah and his family saying, nothing like this has ever happened before. This is not going to happen. It's not going to happen because we've never seen it happen before. But That's just bad thinking, isn't it? I mean, we see things happen all the time in our world that never happened before. I just think about in the world of sports, it happens all the time, right? I just picked a couple of really just completely random examples uh, of this. Like the Boston Red Sox uh, were down three games to nothing to the New York Yankees and the ALCS, and no one had ever come back from three games down uh, to win. But yet, what happened? They won! They won! We'd never seen that before. Just one other example I think that Amy would appreciate this being a Falcons fan. They were up 28 to 3 with just a few minutes left in the third quarter. No one had ever seen a comeback like that before, but what happened, Amy? Oh, the Patriots won. Again, just completely random, completely random, completely (laughs) random examples uh, here about things that have never happened before. But you can just imagine the people thinking. Noah's crazy. He's insane. We've never seen anything like this before. But yet, when the rain started falling, I bet they wish they would have listened. And sometimes we see things in God's word, and sometimes it's tough to obey. Sometimes it's tough to listen. But God always has our best in mind. And verse 5 says what Noah did. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. We found... In the past couple of weeks, looking at people that walk with God, we walked, looked at Enoch and how he walked with God. And we see Noah and how he walked with God. One of the things that shows when you're walking with God is, is obedience. And it's not going to be perfect obedience. We're all flawed people. You're looking at the chief of sinners. You're looking at a person that messes up all the time. When we walk with God, we're not going to do it perfectly, but when we spend time with Him, when we get into His Word, and that's why we give you those studies to help you encourage uh, to get into His Word, and when we're in small group and community together with other people that are Bible-believing, when we're seeking the Lord in prayer, what ends up happening is we tend to obey Him more. And when we obey him more, we see the blessings that come from that. Now, they're not always blessings that are going to make their life easier. It's not always rainbows and sunshine when you're obeying God because sometimes God puts us through difficult things even when we are obeying him. But ultimately, we'll be blessed because we're falling after God's word. We're falling after what he wants. And Noah was obeying even when it was really difficult. And I think it's an amazing adventure to obey God, isn't it? I mean, it's an amazing adventure to be able to do that because you never know what he's going to call us to do. The main thing that, the main way that we can seek God, the main way we can know what to obey is digging into God's word. I think there's a lot of talk right now in our world about uh, people hearing all kinds of different things and experiencing all kinds of different things. I want to tell you that God is never going to tell you to do something that doesn't line up with God's word. That's vitally important. If you hear God's voice telling you to do something, and it doesn't line up with Scripture, I don't know whose voice that was, but it wasn't God. okay? God is always going to line up with Scripture, and this is the main way that we know Him. This is the main way we get to understand what He wants for us. As the Holy Spirit works in and through us, we get to know God better through His very Word. I think it's really awesome that in in verse 11... Here it talks about a specific time. He says, it says, in the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month. It was an actual historical event. Jesus himself talked about the validity of the flood. There are many people in today's world that want to limit the flood to a very localized event, but as we see from the scripture that I read, it wasn't. It was a worldwide event. People want to doubt that it happened, but. Jesus affirmed it, God's word affirmed it, and we talk about a specific time uh, that, it, that it happened. And it took a year and 10 days for all the waters to, uh, to secede away. In verse 24, it says that the, flood, the, the waters flooded the earth for 150 days, but we see later on it actually took uh, more than double that for all the waters to, um, to secede back into uh, where it was, to recede back to where it was. It says "The fountains of the Great Deep uh, came up." Many people wonder where all the water had come from? Well, uh, many people believe that there was actually a canopy of water uh, over the atmosphere of the Earth, which helped people live for so long that they did to protect than from the the uv rays but there was also waters that came from the deep so this canopy that comes down the waters of the deep come up plus torrential rain under the whole around the whole earth for 40 days and 40 nights there was plenty of water to flood the entire earth with the judgment that god had in verse 13 it says that noah entered the ark It says, on that very day, Noah and his sons, together with their wives, and his wives with three sons, entered the ark. It was the obedience and faith that took Noah to enter the ark. But it also took the faith of of Shem and Ham and, and Japheth and their wives to also have faith to enter the ark. Because although God spoke directly to Noah... The other people were saved too, and it took steps of obedience and faith for them to join Noah on the ark, because they could have very easily not listened uh, also, but they listened because of the way that God spoke to them, and God gave every man the opportunity to repent. He gave every person the opportunity. He gave them plenty of time. Uh, All this time that it took Noah to build the ark, over 100 years, even the extra seven days after that, it took all of that time, and yet nobody came to repentance. And some people wonder, well, why doesn't Jesus come again now? Well, can't Jesus just come back now? Won't Jesus come? We have a hard week or a hard hard day, and we say, won't you, Jesus come back right now? Well, he, in his kindness, he's giving people more time to repent. Your friends and neighbors and relatives and family members that don't know jesus he's giving them time and the way that he works in and through us to be able to proclaim the gospel is vitally important and if there are anybody here this morning that's never trusted in jesus it's vitally important that you make sure that you're prepared that you make sure that you're prepared to die there's nobody that wants to think about death i know that but Death is 100%. We're all going to face death, and we need to be prepared. A wise man said the amount of preparation that we put into something should be directly proportional to the certainty of that event happening. And our death is certainly going to happen. So are you prepared? Scripture tells us that we need to be prepared it's because that day of judgment is coming where we either die and face Jesus or Jesus comes again and so God's word is very clear that we need to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He lived a perfect life. He died the death on the cross. He rose from the dead to die for our sins and overcome them so that we could have eternal life. In John 14, 6, it, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It's vitally important that you put your faith in Jesus, Right? In John 3, 16, probably the most famous verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you put your faith and trust in him? Do you believe in him? The reign of judgment is coming. It is coming, and we need to put our faith in him. Noah was screaming out to people, warning people, telling people that they needed salvation. He was doing everything that he could, and no one listened. Are you listening? You need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, you need help, come and see one of the elders after the service. We'd love to help you with that. Or you can just tell God in your seat right now that I've done things against you. I want you. I need you as my Lord and Savior. We want to celebrate as a church this week. This week, we celebrate 32 people that profess faith in Jesus this week. And... I have to tell you about the legacy of this real quick. This happened um, at Bob Dinkins' funeral, and many of you know Bob. Bob was dedicated uh, evangelist, Uh, veteran in the United States Air Force amazing guy was a part of our church for for many many years and he really wanted the gospel to go out a gospel presentation to happen at his uh, funeral service he wanted people to have a chance to respond and all these people responded uh, coming thinking that they were going to come and celebrate his life and honor him which they did but they left here completely changed so thank you for believing in people and praying for people and We'll put all those on there in a little bit. That'll take a little bit of time, so we'll do that later. But I'm so thankful and grateful for that. And if you've never accepted Christ, we beg of you that you would do that. It's the most important decision uh, that you can make. And Noah, Noah understood that. He tried to let people know that, and people didn't listen. Verse 15. It says, pairs of all the creatures that have breath, of life and came to noah and entered the ark many skeptics about the flood story say well how on earth did noah gather all up these animals he didn't have to god brought these animals to him it says that he came they came to him and then in verse 16 the lord shut them in the animals going in were male and female of every living thing as god commanded noah and the lord shut him in what an amazing picture of the gospel as Noah entered the ark with his family members, God shut the door. It was him that, that did it, and only he could open it again. And once that door was shut, that was the end. No one else could come on. That was it. That was the end of it. And we have to make a decision for Christ. We have to help those around us make a decision for Christ because at some point it's going to be too late. I was traveling recently, and I was talking to this gentleman. We were both on standby for a flight, and we were wondering if we were going to get on. And we were trying to see who was ahead of each other. And so we just started talking. I said, well, how did you end up on, on standby? And he said, well, I was flying home from London, and I had to go to the bathroom. So I told my wife to go on ahead. And so she went on ahead and got on the plane. And after I got out of the bathroom, there was something in the shop that cut my eye. So I went into the shop and started looking around a little bit, and I lost track of time. And when I got to the gate, the plane was still there, but it said that boarding had closed. And so he was not able to get on that flight. Now, I never asked him this, but I thought his wife could have gotten off, but she didn't. <laughs> I don't know. So they ended up being on two separate flights uh, on the way home from London because it was too late. See, this, this picture of the, of the gospel this picture of the old world closing, the world where everyone was unrighteous and this new world starting. Everything changed. Everything was different from that point forward, right? Because the old world was dead and God provided a new way. He provided a new life. In verse 18, it says this. It says, The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. You think about all the destruction that was happening around the world at that time. Everything was being destroyed. The word that's used in Hebrew is the word mabul, and it's the only time it's used with the word flood, because it was a worldwide flood. Any other time the Bible talks about floods, which are more localized floods, or an example of a localized flood, it uses an entirely different word. The only time mabul is used is to refer to the noatic flood. And it was a picture of all of this judgment, all of this death, all of the things that happened to an unrighteous world happening. But here was the ark. The place where you're safe the place where the righteous were the place where you could find salvation and it's an amazing picture of what the church will be like the true believers in christ will be like at the final age of judgment there will be all kinds of judgment happening but the world will the world in the church will be safe in christ because of what he's done because of what christ has done on the cross and i think there's all kinds of speculation and skepticism about the flood and so I don't have time this morning going to all the different evidences of the flood but I want to point you to a resource it's called the new answers book by Ken Ham. And it has amazing, there's a whole volume of books where he goes through all different scientific evidence for the flood. But just a couple things that I want to point your attention to in case somebody asks you about that. They ask what you learned in church and they start mocking the flood. I want to at least give you a, a few things here. I think it's really cool that there's more than 250 flood legends from all different parts of the world. It's in every single culture. And most have similarities to the Genesis account and point to that being the origin of the story but it's so cool to see all these different cultures talk about the flood. Also, the top 3,000 feet of Mount Everest is made of sedimentary rock, which is packed with seashells and other ocean-dwelling animals. In fact, I want to read this this passage from this book here uh, about the evidences of the flood. It says, On every continent we find fossils of sea creatures and rock layers that are today high above sea level. For example, most rock layers in the walls of the Grand Canyon contain marine fossils. This includes the kebab limestone at the top of the strata sequence and exposed to the, at the rim of the canyon, which today is about 8,000 feet above sea level. Other rock layers of the Grand Canyon contain uh, large numbers of marine uh, fossils. The best example is the Redwall limestone, which commonly contains uh, fossil clams, corals. Uh, lace corals, sea lilies, bivalves, which are a type of clam, uh, gastropods, which are marine snails, and even fish teeth. One other passage here I wanted to read for, for you about the sedimentary rock. It says, on every continent are found layers of sedimentary rocks over vast areas. Many of these can be traced all the way across continents, even between continents. Furthermore, geologists find evidence that the sediments were disposed rapidly. Remarkably, that same chalk bed with the same fossils in them, with the same distinct strata above and below them, are found all over the world. In the Midwest United States, from Nebraska to the north of Texas, to the Perth Basin in Western Australia. We see these examples of rapidly. Uh, buried fossils around the whole earth and there's no other explanation that better can show that than the flood that happened worldwide Noah did all that the Lord commanded him I'm so glad that he did and the action step for today is to do what the Lord commands you to do now, the only way that we're ever going to do this is by the power of the Spirit working in our lives. We cannot do this on our own. At least I know I can't. I can't do what the Lord commands me to do in my life each and every time. perfectly. There's no way that can happen with the power, without the power of the Spirit working in our lives. And that's why I think it's vitally important that we look at this final scripture here this morning. This is in First Peter uh, chapter three, talking about our salvation. Comparing it to what Noah went through in the flood. For Christ died for our sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached the spirits in prison, who disobeyed disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. And only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you not by the removal of dirt from the body but the pledge of a good conscience toward God it saves you by the resurrection of Christ Jesus who's gone into the heaven and is at the right at God's right hand with angels authorities and powers in submission to him do you do you want to obey God do you want to obey what he has for your life do you i know it's early we lost an hour of sleep but do you do you okay okay good I was a little bit worried there for a minute. Yeah, we do, of course. Because we know that when we obey God, we're following after his will. And when we're in his will, it's the best place on earth to be. But the only way that we're going to obey, the only way we're going to do that is by allowing God to work in our lives, by allowing the power of the Spirit to work in our lives. The only way we're going to obey him is by getting to know God more. And how do we do that? We dig into his Word. Listen, Noah was far from being perfect, but he knew of his need of salvation, and we all need to be reminded of our need for salvation. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 50 years or one day, or you're still a seeker seeker that's looking for a way to be saved. We all need salvation, and salvation is only found in the Lord. And when we find that salvation, we need to know that God is not against us. He is for us. He's not the eternal joy stealer. He is the joy giver. He allows us to have life even in the midst of people dying around us. He allows us to have joy even in the midst of a time in our world where there's great trouble. He allows us to be able to find freedom when we see others around us that are in bondage. We have the answer for hope and joy and obedience. So let's obey God through the power of the Spirit. Let's share the joy that's in us so that other people can find salvation that we have found in Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm so thankful that you allowed us to be saved uh, from judgment, that you allow us to be saved from our sin. You allow us to be saved uh, through all the things that we have done. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, I pray for anyone in here this morning that has not accepted you as Savior. Maybe they know about you, maybe they have had knowledge of you, but they've never accepted you. Lord, I pray that they wouldn't wait for the rain of judgment to come down, but they would find salvation in you. And I pray for the rest of us that have found salvation. We know what it it means to be saved. I pray that we wouldn't keep that to ourselves. We let others know. We would share what we have learned. Help us to obey you. In Jesus' name.